How's everyone doing? Man, welcome back. Can you believe Christmas came and went? I can't believe it's 2023 either. It's crazy. Um, but man, I just want to welcome you. My name is Chad. Uh, I'm the college pastor with Real Life, and I'm just excited to be here. Um, we've been praying for you guys over break. It's just fun to have so many um, familiar faces, but also so many new faces. And uh, man, would you guys pray with me as we start? God, we thank you for this space and time that we can gather. God, we thank you for the joy that's in the room. It's so fun to be back together with friends. And God, no matter where we, um, you know, or, or, or how we celebrated the break or Christmas or whether it was a hard break or dry break or good break, God, we just want to come now and just be all present. God, thank you for the provision of this space. God, we pray for a bigger space. Uh, we pray for uh, just, uh, yeah, just uh, your provision for that. We thank you for what you did last term. God, I just think of the, the people that came to know you, the people that got involved in the community that, that have new best friends, uh, that have gone deeper uh, with you and, and one another. And God, we just pray that that would happen again this term. We give you glory. And uh, God, I just pray you'd speak through me. And even if you guys could, just pray for me. Just pr pray that the Lord would use me up here. God, thank you for this space again. We give you glory. Amen. Amen. So yeah, it's hard to believe it's 2023. I'm excited uh, for the new year. Uh, with the new year, it kind of reminds me of a joke. I know. Yeah. What goes up but doesn't come down? Goes up but doesn't come back down. Your age. Come on. Come on. And, and for someone that's tur turning 40 this term, yes, I'm turning 40. It's... Uh, that joke, that, that joke's not really funny anymore. It's not, kind of stings a little bit because uh, I'm closer probably to the end than I am to the beginning. So, uh, but yeah. So anyways, on that, on that somber note, on that really exciting note, uh, we're going to focus this term on discipleship and we're calling it un unwavering. Uh, unwavering is what we're kind of looking at this term is we just want to be rooted as a community, I love this. Uh, let's give it up for Caleb and Aaron, too. They made this diagram or this graphic. What I love about that, though, is um, this, this idea, man, we want to be rooted uh, in the scriptures. And, and as a community, what I love about a picture like that is you, if, if you understand, like, old trees, the reason they're so strong and they've withstood storms and the winds like Northern California just had and the, the snow and the ice storms, the reason they withstand that is that their root system goes deep and they're together. And I just think uh, that, that, that's hopefully a picture for us this term. And we're going to talk about discipleship. And if you grew up in the church, that might be a normal word. If you didn't, it might be like, that's weird. That's odd. I don't know what that is. And I hope you can learn and, and with us. And I hope we can grow too. Because even if you grew up in the church, there's a thousand different ways churches probably, uh, you know, uh, disciple or, or talk about discipleship. And so we just want to go from the scriptures and, and spend time in the scriptures uh, on this idea of discipleship. Um, and so what is discipleship? That's the question we want to start with tonight. What is discipleship? Glad you asked. Uh, discipleship or a disciple is literally means to be a learner or a student, a learner or a student, which is pretty applicable to this room, I'd think. Um, the dictionary defines a disciple as one who embraces or follows and insists, assists in spreading the teaching of another. Uh, so according to that, 
I would say that we are all disciples of something. Like according to that definition, you and I are each disciples of something. Uh, you're maybe not a disciple of Jesus, uh, hopefully not yet maybe, or, or not hopefully not yet, but like if you're here, sorry, came out wrong, 2023, I'm still getting the words down. Uh, hopefully um, if you're here and you're not a disciple yet is what I meant to say, uh, maybe God would call you to be his disciple, uh, to be his follower. Um, and so the reality is if you're not following Jesus, you're following something. That's kind of what we want to look at. And different things or different people. And maybe you have a favorite writer, a favorite politician or author or um, professor or teacher um, but that you're kind of building, you know, you're following and, and you're kind of like hanging on every word they say. Uh, and that, that, that's really the heart of what a disciple is. So the point I want to make is whatever or wherever you're at, each of us are a disciple of something. And so the question tonight is, who are you following? Who are you following? And I would even ask the second question with that is, who's following you? Uh, I have a little boy. He's five now. His name's Caleb. And it's amazing. Um, I, I got to be careful what I say and how I act because that little dude, uh, he likes his daddy, which I'm really excited about. Um, but I'm also, it's a big responsibility. I realize that he is like a parrot sometimes. He says exactly what daddy says and he wants to do what daddy does. And so the reality is for you and I is who are you following and who is following you? Because people are following you. And with that too, I did want to show, we had a great Christmas. I wanted to show a picture of my family. So this is my family, if, if you got that picture available. My daughter, she's, she wanted a doll, so she's all about her doll. She's even sewing clothes for a doll, so that's pretty, pretty big time for her. And then my son, we got him a, oh, there's my family, Christmas. And then, yeah. The box, the box is eight or ten, but five years old is, I think, plenty old enough to have a Red Ryder BB gun with parent, you know, permission and control of, like, when you can use it. But he is a lot of fun. He wants to go hunting every day I come home. So let's go hunting in the backyard. <laughs> so we just, we just run around and shoot twigs and stuff. But it's pretty fun. So anyways, that's my family. We had a great Christmas. But as believers... We want to talk this term. If you're a believer in Jesus, you're called to follow him. You're called to follow Jesus and be his disciple. And then the other side of that is you're called to make disciples of all nations. We're going to look at that scripture later. And if you didn't grow up in the church and this is new to you, don't be overwhelmed by it. We're not trying to, to make you feel uncomfortable. I mean, the reality of following Jesus or, or even kind of putting yourself out there to explore your faith, is this something I, I, want, to, I want to enter into or not? There's going to be a little bit of tension. There's going to be a little uncomfort or discomfort, I should say. So you might be like, I'm not sure about all this. I just want you to know, you know, like maybe you're just here and you're just like, man, I just want to know God. Like I, I, I put my faith in God last term for the first time and I just want to know him. Man, man, that's great. That's the best heart posture you can have is a teachable heart. Like, man, I just want to know God. I want, I want to experience God. Uh, so don't get overwhelmed. Jesus gives us a simple invitation throughout Scripture. One of my favorite verses says, he says, follow me. Like, what a great Jesus quote. You know, just, just follow me. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, he was a, a theologian in Germany and was uh, a part of just uh, keeping, or like, he, he like went against Nazi Germany when it was rising up during World War II. And um, just a famous uh, uh, 
German theologian, and I just love his stuff, but he wrote a book called The Cost of Discipleship, and he said, discipleship is not an offer that man makes to Christ. So we want to understand right off the get-go, this is an invitation. And you being here tonight is not an accident. It's an invitation for you to follow Jesus, for you to commit your life to Jesus. And it's going to be an amazing ride and journey as you would give your life to him. There's a, yeah, this is a great, I love this. This is discipleship. No, I'm not talking about Twitter. I literally want to follow me. I literally want you to follow me. So our hope this is that throughout this term that our community will grow in discipleship. Great opportunities. You already heard some of them to engage. And that's a huge part of discipleship is just putting yourself out there. Engage in, in the community. The different leaders and interns and, and student leaders have prayed and, and put some things on the calendar. And, and yeah, they're, they're to be fun. Uh, there to be a place you can connect and get to know. And so there's going to be great speakers next week. How many of you guys know Jake Moival? He's coming next week, and he's a great, gifted speaker, and he's going to talk about just even mentorship and discipleship in his life. And, um, but, man, just gifted speaker. I'd encourage you to come back next week. Uh, there's going to be speakers on Tuesday night. There's going to be small groups. You already heard about that, the week of prayer and fasting. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that next week too. But that's just a great week just to say, man, okay, God, I just want to know you. Would you show up? I want to experience you. I want to, I want to know just like how you see me. I want to know what to do with my life and how to follow you, how to serve you. Um, and, and then there's different women's events and men's events, and we're going to do a basketball night. We already get, we're trying to get it on the calendar. We're, work, we're working with Dixon to get a night where we can play. I know a lot of you guys have been asking, hey, can we play some basketball? So that'll be girls and guys, kind of a, like a tournament, and that'll be fun. So God has a lot for you is basically what I'm trying to say, and he wants each of you to grow. And a part of growth, really, a big part of growth is being in each other's lives. And, and I want to give you just props. You guys showed up. You know, it's, it's Tuesday night. It's packed. I'm glad you didn't leave. Hey, bear with us. This is a good problem to have. Like, isn't this awesome? Like, I'm, I'm sorry we don't have a bigger room. I wish we did. But that one's not available every week, and it's a lot of money. So uh, pray that God would show us what to do. But this is great. Like, I think it's, it, there's no problem with being packed out. Um, I think it's awesome. And thanks for those that are sitting on the, give the, those sitting on the, on the ground a round of applause. Thanks, guys. So there's lots of ways to engage. And the biggest one, I would encourage you, if you're not in a small group and you heard those announcements all last term, like, you're not signing your life away if you sign up for a small group. You're like, it's not like you're indebted to them indefinitely. Like, you have to be in their small group till the Lord returns. Like, no, just, I want to give you, a, just, I just want to challenge you. Just show up, go to one week. They're not, their feelings aren't going to be hurt if you just, you, you know, you can't go every week. Or, but, but just go pray about committing for the term and, and just giving it a 10-week try. Like, God will meet you in that time and space uh, with other believers. It's powerful. It changed my life in college. That is the, I came to real life a lot of weeks, but when I got plugged into a small group, that was the difference between me following the Lord and really following the Lord and really going for him because I had other believers that were in similar state of life and, and had similar struggles and were willing just to, to point me to Jesus when I was struggling and uh, when I needed encouragement. So that's just my plug for that. Uh, look at this quote from Francis Chan. True discipleship involves deep relationship. Jesus didn't simply lead a weekly Bible study. He lived life with his disciples and taught through actions as well as words. Christian discipleship is not a program. So when, when I'm talking about discipleship, it's not like this program, hey, winter term, let's do discipleship. And that's our focus. No, it's lifestyle. It's a call for all of us, 
All Jesus' followers are to be disciples of Jesus. And what's that look like? We're going to talk about that a little bit tonight and in the future. So it's an invitation not only to, to learn about Jesus, but to live like Jesus lived. We're called to be disciples and make disciples. I love the scriptures. Sometimes we, we overcomplicate things. The Bible, man, it's clear that we are to know God. Like that's supposed to be our first thing in life. Is we were created for a relationship with a loving, all-powerful, holy God. And he's called us to that, and he wants relationship. And so first and foremost, we're to know God. And then as we know him, we're to make him known to those around us. And you've each been called to campus for this season, and you've got people all around you at your workspace, uh, back home, in classes you sit in, like that need the life and the love and the hope of Jesus. And so when you come to faith in Christ, what we're talking about here, God begins to change us. And, and so we're going to talk about that tonight. Is like when you put your faith in Christ, when you, you surrendered your life to Jesus, that, that, that he begins to change you from the inside out and giving you the ability to understand his word. And he plants new desires in you. Plants desires for you to live out the things that he's called you to live. The Bible teaches that the person who hears and obeys Jesus' word is like the man who built his house on the rock. Again, back to that unwavering. You want an unwavering life? You want to be rooted and stable? Then build your life on the rock. Build your life on Jesus Christ. Like that's what he wants. And not only that's what he wants, but man, nothing can replace that. There's a lot of cheap substitutes for a season. But man, when you get rooted in, in your faith with Christ, man, it's a game changer. So tonight I want to look at some ways God begins to change our hearts as we surrender. Just quickly, we're going to look at a lot of scripture. And there's six ways that we're just going to see God change our lives as we surrender. And first we want to learn to put Jesus first. The first thing we learn as we surrender our lives to Christ is we begin to learn to put him first. Mark 8.34 says it this way. When he had called the people to himself with his disciples also, he said to them, Whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel will save it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation of him, the Son of Man, also will be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. And so we just want to pause right there. And, and again, the first point, we learn to put Jesus first. And as followers of Jesus, we're to be set apart from the world. We're, to be set, we're, we're living in the world. Like we, believe, we, we, we breathe oxygen, like we need food. Like we are here, we are present. We are in Corvallis, Oregon tonight, 2023, January 10th. And we're to be in, in the world, but, but set apart from the world. And our focus should be on Jesus and serving and honoring him. Like that should be our focus. Now, we all mess up. There's no perfect Christian. And, but, but our focus is, man, again, I want to serve you. I want to honor you. And when we mess up, like, God, man, forgive me, God. I, I, I want to serve you. I want to honor you. And we just come back to him. And, and we receive that grace. And, and we allow him to take it. And, and renew us and, and, and allow us to keep serving him. And this is not an easy call. Like the call that's made here is 
one of the reasons I used it first, it's like the hardest call in all of Scripture. I mean, it's like, man, what do you mean? Whoever desires to come after Jesus, he's saying this, let him deny himself. Like, deny himself, what does that mean? That's like giving up self. Like that, that, that's like a daily, hourly, minutely. Is that a word? Like, that's a, I mean, it's a, a constant battle to deny self and then to take up a cross. Like, man, that's, that's not cool. That's not, I mean, that's hard. And then fo- to follow me. So this is a hard call, and I love what Billy Graham says, uh, or said, uh, he passed a few years ago. I loved, loved his ministry. Um, Salvation is free, but discipleship costs everything we have. Back to Diedrich Bonhoeffer's book, The Cost of Discipleship. Man, it'll cost you everything. And that might, again, be overwhelming, but the cool thing is it's like one day at a time. Like he gives you the grace and the ability to do one step. And the next day, one step. And the next day, one step. And then before you know it, you're two months, three months in your journey with Christ. And you look back and you're like, man, I'm a whole lot different than I once was. But I'm not where I want, want to be yet. And it's a beautiful journey. It's not something that like, hey, be overwhelmed. You got to be perfect. You got to be this perfect Christian. You got to say these things. You got to pray this way. You got to do these. No, that, that's legalism. But, but God's gracious to walk with us. He, he wants all our life, but it's like one step at a time as you're playing sports. Like, God, do you want me to continue in this? Like, are my affections stirred towards you when I'm playing sports? When I'm doing this job? Are my affections turned towards you when I'm doing this job? When, when I'm interacting with this friend group, are my affections turned towards you? Am I, and, and, am I uh, presenting the love of Jesus towards them when I'm around? And so it's one day at a time. Second thing, we become armed, to li- as we surrender our life to Christ, we become armed to listen to the Holy Spirit who lives in us. Ephesians 6 says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. But on the whole, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles and tricks of the devil. Verse 12, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, having girded your waist with truth. So we want to understand here, his spirit helps us resist temptation, helps us overcome trials to be daily transformed more and more like Jesus. And back to what I already said, it takes time. Be gracious to yourselves. Like it takes time. It takes a lifetime. How good is God that he's willing to walk with us 60, 70, 80, some of you longer years to grow you more in his likeness? He loves you that much. He wants you to become more like him, and he's gracious and patient and, and compassionate and slow to anger. And, and so his spirit helps us glean from his truth we see in this scripture, uh, from the word that, and, and, and from others, and, and, and the Holy Spirit is given to those who obey him. So the main thing is that we just begin to obey him. Just, just Even tonight, just praying, God, God, how can I follow you? Is there areas I need to surrender? Third thing, <clears throat> As we surrender to Jesus, we start to desire to be doers of the word and not just hearers. Last term, we spent a whole term in James. And a big like, emphasis of the book of James was, was not just like, like letting our, our, our uh, faith just be lip, you know, lip service. That we'd actually live it out. That we'd actually have lives that reflect Jesus. And, and look at uh, John 8, 31. It says, Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth 
shall make you free. So we want to look here again as we are transformed. We learn to examine our thoughts and our actions and the words and our words by Scripture. And so like as we come to Christ, he begins to like sift our thoughts and sift our actions. And, and as you know the word, you will, you will know how to live. You'll know how to react in this world when someone says, you know, something that they call truth and it's not true. Like you'll know because the spirit of God lives in you and you're confident in the scriptures and you know, like, man, that's, that's not right. And I'm going to do what's right in God's sight. I want to honor God. I want to live to honor him. And so as you know the word, you will know how to live. Um, obedience is the best test of faith to God. Hebrews 11, read that. If you want something to read this week, oh man, so good. It's called the hall of faith, man. There's so many amazing men and women that have gone before us that like they're in there because they obeyed and they followed God. Even when they didn't, couldn't see what what's coming next, they obeyed. So obedience, it's the proof that we have become followers of Jesus. That's, that's the true, like you want to test if you're a follower of Christ, man, are you willing to obey even when it, it doesn't, like, even when you want to do something else, are you willing to lay down your life and say, man, I know this isn't right. I want to obey God's scripture. So, number four, as we surrender to Jesus, we begin to understand what it means to abide in Christ. John 15 says this, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. So our lives, you were created to bring God glory, period. Like that's why you were created. Sometimes we, we again, overcomplicate things, man. We're created to bring him glory. And a way we you know, bring God glory is as we abide in him, the spirit produces fruit in our lives. We don't produce fruit. The spirit does it in our lives. And, and we begin to have the fruit of the spirit. We begin to have love for people that are hard to love. We begin to, to have joy when we, you know, when we shouldn't have joy. We, we begin to have peace when, when things aren't peaceful. We begin to be patient. We begin to, to be kind towards others. We begin to walk in goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These are the fruit of the Spirit. Like as you walk and, and give your life to him, he gifts these to us. And, and there's no way to fake these. Like you might have grew up in the church. That doesn't mean you have a relationship with Jesus. Like have you put your faith in Christ in such a way you know you're saved? That if you died tonight that you would know that you would be in heaven, that you know that you would be saved. Like, is that something? You can't fake it. And so these things that we're talking about come out of Galatians 5, the fruit of the Spirit. And our job, again, it's not to produce fruit. It's simply to abide in Jesus, and the Spirit will produce the fruit as we are obedient. I mean, that's just encouraging, man. As we're obedient, like, there's going to be a fruit in your lives. And this brings God glory. As we become obedient to the Lord and learn to walk in his way, our lives will change from the inside. And again, this will change our conduct. It'll, it'll change our behavior. It'll change our thoughts. Like some of you maybe have struggled for years with thought patterns or, or dabbling with, with things that are hurtful. Like as you give your life to Jesus, you continue to, to surrender these things. He can, he can 
change those thought patterns. Uh, and that's part of being in a small group. That's part of having accountability. That's part of being in community. That's part of being in the scriptures and hearing from our Father in heaven, like how he sees us and understand. Number five, we, as we surrender to Jesus, we start to love other people through our actions, uh, even our enemies. Jesus said in, in John 13, 34 through 35, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. But this, all, but this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. First John 3 even takes it further. He says, if you don't practice righteousness and don't love your brother, you're not a child of God. Which is like, oh man, that's like, that's hardcore. And what we want to understand here, and you can read 1 Corinthians, I'll, I'll give you some different scriptures that you can read on your own, but man, love's not a feeling, it's an action. It doesn't matter how you feel, it requires something of us. But it's also not blind. Love's not blind. Turn to, uh, I didn't have this one on a slide, I just was reading this tonight. Turn to 1 John 4, towards the end of the, of the Bible, 4.10. And 11 says, still here in pages, turn, I'll give you a second. In this, verse 10 of chapter 4, 1 John, in this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins or to appease God's wrath. Verse 11, beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to love one another. And so this is a, a section that's, that's kind of hard, and I've been wrestling with should I share it or not. And so I just want to encourage us, man, um, what I'm going to share might be hard. It rocked me the other day. I was listening to a pastor, and, and I just loved what he shared, and I'm going to share a little bit what he shared. Um, but just over the past decade, I'd say, or 10 years, or um, especially the last couple years, this, this idea of cognitive dissonance has gotten worse like in the church. And what that means is behavior and beliefs don't align. There, there's two contradictory beliefs. Uh, many want to focus that God is love. Like many of us in different ministries and churches, they just want to, fo- they just want to emphasize God is love. And that is true. You're not going to hear that otherwise here. But often when they're saying God is love, what they were actually saying, if God is love, I can do what I want. For, for some, it's even gotten crazier, not only do I need to, you need to approve of what I want, you must celebrate it or it's hateful or it's not loving. And, and to me, this is, this is crazy. This is absurd. Because if you put that, what happens when you put that on your view of God? What happens when you put that on your view of God? And I want to talk about that really quickly. Because the reality is it's true in four separate occasions in the Bible. Like four or five different spots in the Bible says God is love. Like that's true. But in like 600 occasions in the Bible, it says God is holy. And so scripture comes with tension. All truth has tension. Have you, any of you ever put up a tent? Like the, the old school kind that has like one pole and you have to have tension to like actually keep it up. Not the one that you know, flip the switch and it just pops up and you got like, you know, you got a kitchen in there or whatever. But, but like an actual tent, like there has to be tension. There has to, you know, and the scripture comes with some tension. So God is love only because he's holy. That's what we want to talk about. God is love only because he's holy. 
His love is perfect because he's holy. And the more you love something purely, listen to this, the more capacity you have for wrath. To say God doesn't hate sin is an accusation against his love. It defends him from nothing and it cheapens his love. His love is ginormous and his capacity, his capacity for wrath is real. Like we have to understand that. His love is ginormous, but he also has a great capacity for wrath. Uh, and, and some of you might be like, but, you know, Chad, you know, God hates, hates the sin, but, but not the sinner. And that's awesome, but that's not what the Bible actually teaches. Now, I'm not talking about people that are in Christ, but, but it helps us feel good, but doesn't help us love God more as, or experience his love more. That, that, that sentiment, it creates a distance from what we actually need. It doesn't allow us to see how deep his love actually is. His love is so deep because he's so holy. And we cheapen his love when we don't actually understand the depths of his love and his holiness. So to bring this point home, look at Psalms 5. I don't have a slide again. Psalms 5. And I went to the Psalms because we all love Psalms, you know. The Lord's my shepherd, I shall not want. You know, just good Psalms, right? There's some hard ones, though. There's some hard ones. This one says in Psalms 5, verse 5 and 6, The boastful shall not stand before your eyes. You hate all who do iniquity. You destroy those who speak falsehood. The Lord abhors the man of bloodshed and deceit. And so we want to understand, like, yeah, we love the Psalms, but man, the first 50 Psalms, over 15 times, there's that sentiment, that God hates evil. He doesn't like it. He didn't create it. He doesn't want it. So to say that he doesn't, take, to, to say that he doesn't hate evil takes away from his love. It, in a sense, it's an ac- accusation against God's holiness. It's an accusation against God's hol- holiness. If you say God is indifferent it's to say God's indifferent of his creation. He doesn't care enough to be bothered by evil or hate it. Which is wild, man. Again, I listened to this a couple weeks ago, and I was just like, man, I was just stirred. And I hope you can hear that, man. I'm not trying to condemn anyone. Like, like I'm wrestling with this too. This is heavy. Some of you are like, man, I brought a friend tonight. This is, what are you doing? Like, no, this, this is heavy stuff because it's real. I believe the book's real. I can't just pick it apart like Thomas Jefferson and just believe this or that and just take and build my own Bible. Like, no, this is this legitimate. This is God's word. And this is what it speaks about. This is, you know, reality is if we, if we think that he doesn't care enough to be bothered by evil or hate it, this is what happens. And we're seeing this in our culture. This is why the church and others begin to hate others. Because we think God doesn't have vengeance. We, we believe he's not the one that's going to bring it about. So we, we begin, I have to hate because God's not angry by evil. So I begin to hate. I begin to, to handle justice because God's not just. And this, this can be bad theology, but, but I don't have to take matters into my own hands because the, there's a holy one that sits and reigns in perfect love. Like, Perfect love, not human love, perfect, unconditional love. And he, the Bible says, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. We're still called to love. Like there's people that have different ideologies that you run into on campus all the time. You're called to love them. 
especially if they're not a believer, like, like they, don't, they don't have the love of God. How are they going to experience the love of God unless they run into one of God's children and they show the love of God to them? So again, this is hard stuff. But if we understand, this is, this is the point I want to make in this section. If we understand that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, that we understand that all our rebellion is an accusation against God. Everything we do. This is, again, I'm, I'm a pastor. This is, this is convicting. Has anyone ever coveted in here? Maybe not. Yeah, a few of you. Yeah, we're doing pretty good. That's good. I bet you everyone could raise their hand. I mean, thought that someone had a better life than you, and maybe they're not, like, you, or you feel like they're like, you know, something good happens to someone. You're like, man, nothing good should happen to them. They're a terrible person. We covet what happens to them. I, I don't know. Like, we all can have those thoughts. What you're doing is you're telling God he's not fair and you know what's best. God, you're not fair. You're blessing them and not me. And all sin says God's not good. Like, I think that's a big problem in our culture is people just, they don't realize God's good. And that's really the root of sin. He's not fair. He's not worthy to be trusted. But God moved towards us despite our rebellion. So I was trying to make the point in that section. I hope I didn't lose you guys or anger someone too much, but I'm just trying to stay true to the book. We're people of the book here. Like, this is scripture. Like, we believe it's from God, and if it says it, I believe it. That's enough for me, and I'm going to camp out there. And I hope you'll go in a journey with us there. And, and I hope you don't just stiff-arm God and say, oh, man, that's just so barbaric and old school. But, man, there's so much in here. I challenge you, if you've not read it, to, you know, just start in the book of Acts this term or, or, or the, the Gospel John. I was encouraging people to start in the Acts this term because uh, it's just a, I love how the church began. It's a new year. It's so fun to see how, how like, God took a, a, some ordinary dudes and set them on fire and, you know, just... The rest is history, like a movement happened through ordinary people uh, by the grace of God. And I love the book of Acts, but just start reading. God moved towards us despite our rebellion. God sent his son, Jesus. He came to give us life. And maybe that's hard truth that we were just going through, but your story can be one of redemption if you surrender your life to Jesus. God is love. He has wrath also. He is not wrath, but God is love and he has wrath. He has wrath because he's holy, and he better because he's not, if he doesn't have wrath, then he's not just. And God's holy, he's just. And if he's not just, then he isn't God. See, what we do here is we minimize, we, we, we put God in a box, and we say, oh, that doesn't fit my paradigm. It doesn't fit my lifestyle. It's uncomfortable. But as we started the night is that, man, the call is for your whole life. The calls for surrender of everything. You can put your faith and hope in Jesus tonight and experience this radical love. And it is radical. It doesn't even make sense sometimes. It's like, God, why do you love me so much? I keep, I keep messing up. You know, I'm not a perfect husband. I'm not a perfect father. I'm not a perfect son. You know, but, I, but God sees fit to continue to, to walk with me and forgive me and use me so, the last thing we want to talk about there is we, we just want to understand that, hey, as a people of the book, as we, as we understand God's word, we want to understand that the Bible sim simultaneously, it, it encourages us and confronts us. And like I said earlier, if it's not confronting you, 
like maybe you're not reading it. Like I'm not trying to say that like in a condescending way, but or like I mentioned with Thomas Jefferson, he, he kind of cut out some parts that he liked and or didn't like and kind of fit fit the bill, you know, like but but it should encourage us, but it's also gonna confront us, convict us, and, and want us to like move towards God. And I'd encourage you, man, spend time in the scriptures, like they're powerful. They tell us what's true and they confront us, but but the Bible says in Romans 8, and this, this is one section of Scripture. You can read it later. I, I didn't put it on the slide. Romans 8, 31 through 35. It says, God, God loves me. It talks about there's no condemnation for those in Christ. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Shame will not, you know, like shame will come, but, but I'm armored with his truth. No accusation from the enemy can stick. And if the Bible says it again, if it's true, then I believe it. I'm going to camp out there, and I want to challenge you, man. There's so much there that's true that the enemy doesn't want you to believe that you should dive into. Last thing, as we surrender to Jesus, we want to share our faith and tell others about what Jesus has done. The worship team can come on back up. And this is the last one. First Peter says this, we should always be ready to give our testimony for the hope that's in us. And I want to challenge you. Look at this, the group this size. Like, like, you all have a story. And some of you are further along in your faith, and some of you haven't come to faith yet. But you have a story. And I want to challenge you to begin to share your story, to, to begin to circle up, like, in small groups, but also just, at, you know, going out to coffee with different people and just sharing your story. Jesus said in Matthew 28, 18 through 20, and Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all the things I have commanded you, and, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Last thought. No matter your maturity level, you have something to offer. Like the call of discipleship is a call to participate, not to spectate. And it's so easy just to show up. And, and there's seasons, like I remember... When I went through a hard breakup and I was just struggling in my faith in, in college, man, I just needed to show up to real life. I needed to be encouraged. I needed to be around the people of God. I needed to be like, around people that would point me to God, not from God. Uh, and I wasn't in a place to serve. Um, but in that season, God met me. And then as I matured and as I put one step in front of the next and I, I, I grew in my affections and, and, I, and I grew, my heart was like healed, like God opened up opportunities for me to serve. And so my, my challenge for us this term is, man, everyone here, if we all were thinking, how can I participate in what God's doing on campus? Man, you want to see revival on a campus? It starts with us first being broken and recognizing, like I said earlier, the great love of a holy God. Like being broken by our sin. And we all sin. We've all messed up. But seeing it for what it is. And yet being able to stand and say, God, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you that you would use a broken person like me. And, and coming to him with surrender and allowing him to touch your life, to use your life. But what would it look like if, if 200 broken people in, in, in humility would start surrendering their lives and, and saying, oh God, how can, I, how can I serve you today? What can I do? How can you use me? I'm a nobody, but I want to be a somebody for you. Give me the ability. I, I believe he would just we'd see revival, first by being broken, second by just being available. We'd see revival on our campus and our city. And you may know a lot about the Bible, but if you've experienced the love of Jesus, 
or sorry, you may not know a lot about the Bible. Like that might be one of your, your, your things of like, man, I can't serve yet. I don't know enough about the Bible. But man, if you've experienced the love of Jesus, that's enough. Like just, start, just start sharing your story. If you've experienced the life and the love that Jesus offers, man, just by faith, just step out and just share the one thing you do know. And again, as you step out, he's gonna give you some more insights. And just be available for him. Ultimately, discipleship is broken people helping broken people. One beggar showing another beggar where the bread of life is. Like, man, that's, it's pretty simple. That's, that's our call this term. So let's be beggars showing other beggars the bread of life. Let's pray. God, we love you. God, even, even while we were sinners, you still loved us. You came, lived a perfect life, and died for our sin. God, thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you that we can have a relationship with the holy God, a, a God that has pure love. Not frail love, not frail human love, but pure love. Thank you, God. God, I just pray for even just some of these truths tonight. They're just, as I wrestled, God, I just love these students so much. I just wrestled, should I share, should I not? These, these, this is truth. This is life. And, and some of us are comfortable just piddling around with our faith as if it's not real. And God, I pray you would awaken us. God, as we go to a week of prayer fasting, as we go to a term, God, would you awaken us for what you have? Would we not miss out on what you have for us? Would we not take just our faith as just, oh, that's just something we do every now and then? God, show us how to surrender our lives to you. And if you're here tonight and you've never surrendered your life to Jesus, I just want to give you an opportunity right now. Like, God loves you so much. He sent his son to die for you. It doesn't matter how much you've messed up. Tonight you can turn to Jesus. You can surrender your life and he'll give you a fresh start, a new beginning. The old would be gone, the new would come. You'd be a new creation in Christ. If you want that tonight, I just want to challenge you. Hey, if you've never put your faith in Christ, I just want to challenge you. You can do that right now. So surrender. The best you know how, just say, God, I confess I'm a sinner. God, I've sinned. I've, I fall short. And I, and I know my sin separates me from you. But I know because of Jesus' death on a cross that I can be forgiven. I invite you into my life and I, and I turn from my sin. Jesus, I confess you are Lord. Come be Lord in my life and give me the strength to follow you. And if you're a believer and you just felt like, whether it be the break or just you've been distant from God, I just want to give you an opportunity to now just, just come back. Just say, God, I surrender. I've been doing it my way too long. Would you forgive me? God, I want to live for you and you alone. In Jesus' name.